Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're going to talk about resiliency and your highly sensitive child. Three main misconceptions that you are dealing with with parenting a highly sensitive child who is stuck in the meltdown cycle, and why these misconceptions are, are harmful for your sensitive kid. So if you wanna break out of this pattern and raise a resilient, sensitive child, make sure that you're listening in. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of this meltdown cycle, and we've helped over 600 families do this in in many years. And many of them are able to break the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks, right? So parents come to us when they're dealing with daily or multiple times a day meltdowns, uh, even multiple times a week meltdowns when they feel like they're walking on eggshells every single day, just trying to prevent the hitting, kicking, screaming, yelling, freaking out, uh, throwing things, all these ineffective behaviors, dangerous behaviors in the home. And even children who are struggling with the, with danger to themselves, saying things like, life would be better off without me, I hate you, you don't love me. And uh, these outbursts and these, these big behaviors are due to regular everyday stuff, right? So when we see parents and, and talk to parents day in and day out who are struggling with this, uh, many can wonder, you know, I wonder if this is a mental health issue, uh, where, you know, what's going on with my child? Is this a, is this just part of the personality trait? And depending on what community you're listening to and, and what professionals you're listening to, uh, you might be uh, experiencing a, a professional who's normalizing this experience. You might be wondering whether meltdowns are just part of the, of the game, parenting a sensitive kid. Or these major outbursts, major yelling daily ba- on a daily basis is part of the game of parenting. And it's really important that we break out of many of these myths. And that's what we do here on the show, right? And so when parenting a sensitive child, a child who is feeling deeply, processing life deeply, uh, quite observant of the world, notices small details, is emotionally empathetic and uh, responsive to other people's emotions, has a, a high response in their emotions. They feel not just deep emotions, but those emotions can be high, high highs and low lows, right? Uh, and can be easily overstimulated without skills. Uh, all of these uh, struggles for highly sensitive people are are quite intense when you when you notice that you're parenting a highly sensitive child, right? And so if your child is having meltdowns at, at this level, if this is happening on a daily basis, obviously as a parent, you might be wondering what's developmentally appropriate, what is uh, typical for a sensitive child, a child who is part of 20% of the population, right? So a minority in, in that dynamic. Um, and then it, what's not appropriate? So this is what we do here. You know, we specialize in helping parents break out of the cycle uh, and, and really defeating all of the noise out there that tells you that uh, this is just part of the trait, okay? So 
Let's talk about this resiliency. Some of these, these challenges and big misconceptions about the personality trait, uh, about highly sensitive children who are stuck in the meltdown cycle. Uh, we're gonna capture this today. At least three of them, right? Can't, can't cover it all uh, in one uh, show, podcast, YouTube show, wherever you're finding us on Facebook, etc. However, we will, we will talk about it for quite some time today. All right, so the first thing that I want to uh, discount, right? is that highly sensitive children are weak, right? So when, when Elaine Aaron coined the term and she started to discuss and, and, and break out of the pattern uh, of, of really um, vilifying sensitive kids um, and, and was, was a leader in the field in the 1990s, acknowledging that highly sensitive children are Emotionally responsive is the, is the word that she used. Many people over the years have twisted that to be uh, considered emotionally reactive and noticed that that is, and, and believed and, and speak that, that that is part of the trait, right? So kids going from zero to 60, um, outbursts, yelling consistently, uh, highly sensitive people and non-highly sensitive people alike, parents might believe, you might be to have told, you might have been told that uh, your child being quick to react is part of the trait. Now, when I describe it, it's really important to understand that emotional reactivity is part of the meltdown cycle, not part of the temperament type, the personality trait of being highly sensitive. Being emotionally responsive is, okay? So emotional reactivity, high reactivity consistently, that is definitely weakness. It is a, it is a, is a character concern uh, that you want your child to, to shift out of. It is an ineffective way to present oneself, to function in the world, to be emotionally reactive. I'm just gonna call a spade a spade. You know, as a teenager, I significantly struggled with a lot of anger. Uh, even into my young adulthood, I was struggling with anger being raised in, in a household where this family dynamic wasn't um, shifted out of, right? My parents were doing the best they could with the knowledge that they had at hand. And that led all of us to not uh, learn emotion management, emotion regulation management. And so for me, reactivity was, um, you know, really became quite high as an adolescent and into my young adulthood, right? So this is people who are um, you know, yelling at red lights um, and uh, as adults, um, getting easily frustrated, okay? So if your sensitive child stubs their toe and says, ow, then that's not emotional reactivity. That's normal human behavior, right? Typical developmentally appropriate human behavior. But if your child um, messes up on their paper, whether that be homework or, or what have you, and they start screaming and then they chuck their pencil or, or they break their pencil, that's not developmentally appropriate. Right, I'm talking homework here, so that means your child is likely in second or, or third grade, uh, maybe even younger, but hopefully homework is just reading, depending on your kid's school at that point. So um, let's make sure that we're covering the right thing here in terms of development and age for sensitive kids and non-sensitive kids alike. It's not developmentally appropriate to be having meltdowns and outbursts and to be, you know, a prickly pear, irritability, um, frequent frustration, aggravation, or uh, experiencing anxiety on a daily basis, okay? Um, a child might say, oh, I'm nervous about that, and then move on. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is kids who are frozen in fear 
or explosive. And uh, as much as I, I really strongly hate the word explosive to describe a personality, right? You know, Dr. Reen wrote The Explosive Child. We don't use that language here at MTC. Um, as much as his uh, focus was one of the early words, I remember my mom actually reading that book to try to understand my sister. Um, I, you know, the original picture that's purple in the background and, and um, has red and green uh, child's face on it, um, the cartoon. That was on my mom's nightstand for how many years? I don't know. Um, so as much as he you know, was one of the earlier um, authors in this field, uh, it's very important that we understand the pathology and the um, damning, if you will. Hopefully I don't get kicked off the podcast prop, uh, by using the right word. Uh, the, calling, hopefully that's not a curse word, but, but, but pigeonholing children into a language that sets them up to fail, right? So um, the behavior might be explosive. The, the behavior might be an outburst. The behavior might be a meltdown for sure. But the child, your child is not explosive. Your child is not oppositional. Your child is not weak. Right? There is a weakness in how they're managing a skill set that needs to be developed. It's very important that we understand this. No, so misconception number one, your child is not weak. I just did a double negative. Hope you could follow follow me here, right? So myth number one, your child's not weak. That is a common misconception. All right. <laughs> Talked myself out of my own double negative. All right, great. Highly sensitive people with skills, highly sensitive children with skills are actually quite resilient. They can creatively solve problems quickly because they can assess big, um, uh, big matters, uh, big complicated subjects really well. Highly sensitive adults who have emotion management skills and uh, have, have navigated how to manage their experiences actually love having deep, thoughtful conversations and going through intricacies of uh, challenges and picking apart the challenges and figuring it out. We have highly sensitive people on our team who have emotion regulation skills and they're fantastic at solving problems. You know, we solve problems every day. Um, and I run a team at this point of, of people who are uh, quite innovative. We need highly sensitive people in, in every avenue of life. And highly sensitive people who are regulated can see the big picture and the small picture at the same time and really break out, um, uh, you know, break, see holes, right? Plug holes in, in, um, in problems at work or problems in the relationship quite effectively and, um, and navigate that. Your child is capable of that too. Highly sensitive children are capable of plugging the holes in ineffective relationships, in um, ineffective uh, patterns. You know, your, your kiddo might be automatically bothered by a teacher who raises their voice or by chaos in the classroom. And yet, if they don't have a skill to figure out how to creatively solve that problem, they will hide from the classroom. They will hide from the teacher, either emotionally by shutting down or physically by not wanting to go. Okay, so it's really important that we understand that that's symptom of the meltdown cycle. It's not a weakness in the personality. Okay, so um, that's number one. Right. Uh, what's important to notice is is that this this mis misconception can really damage your child's perception of themselves, and it can damage your ability to believe that that more is possible for your child as well. 
because we see so many parents who come through our doors who have just stopped signing their kid up for extracurriculars or who are wondering if their kid can handle it uh, because they've become reactive in their world um, and, and they've demonstrated reactive behavior. All right, so that's number one, your kid's not weak. Number two, all right, uh, number two is that your highly sensitive child is shy. Oh, this is a big one. Okay, so um, it goes, it you know, leads nicely into the the conversation that we've just been having. If your child is warming up to the experience, taking in a ton of information from the environment, from any new experience, or from an experience that's not their everyday life, like their relationship with you, then they may demonstrate uh, a slow, slower than typical, uh, to warm up experience. Now, does this make them shy? No. It means when a highly sensitive child is taking in more information from the world, of course, they're going to take more time to warm up to the world. Not all highly sensitive kids are like that, though. Um, some highly sensitive kids are extroverted, and so they may not take in all the information as, as um, something that they need to uh, also add to introversion, right, and, and stay as a wallflower in... Um, in, in an experience, so say for example, let me let me break this down. Um, you sign your kid up for soccer and your highly sensitive child is extroverted and they're taking in a ton of information. They wanna be able to win, they have high expectations, they wanna be everybody's friend, it's gonna be awesome. And some of the kids are focused more on the coach's directions than on making friends. And your highly sensitive kid starts waving their hands in front of that, that kid's face saying, hey, let's have fun, cracking jokes, uh, it's gonna be awesome, let's, let's have a good time. And they really wanna win, and so they're super focused on getting the ball into the, into the goal. And they're missing the observation that other kids are uh, paying attention to the coach. They might feel offended. There's that reactivity, right? If you don't know how to regulate emotions, then you might immediately feel offended in any given situation. They might jump to the conclusion that other kids don't like them, when in fact they are, they are quite gregarious in the situation, they're quite extroverted, and uh, they wanna be everybody's friend, and not every child is super different friendly right away, right? Um, there are, you know, it takes all children um, and, and every, from all walks of life to make up the world, right? So, if you have a highly sensitive child who's extroverted, and struggles with skills, then they might hit. They might get aggressive. They might storm off the field. They might stomp their feet. They might get really frustrated and quit, right? So there's a difference. If you have a six-year-old and this behavior is happening, six-year-old might pout, stomp their foot, uh, check in with you as, as a parent in the first circumstance, and then go back to life and go back to the field. That's a resilient child. A highly sensitive child who is stuck might hit, kick, um, you know, kick the ball out of field and storm away or have a meltdown. That's not developmentally appropriate. That is a child stuck in the meltdown cycle, okay? whether they're extroverted or introverted. An introverted, highly sensitive child might want, uh, will still want friends, right? But, but uh, might take more energy for them because introversion, typically the introverted, introverts are uh, energized by time alone or time uh, in more quiet, reserved spaces, okay? So it takes more energy for them to interact with other people, so they might pace themselves in that interaction. But a highly sensitive child who is introverted and um, 
regulated and has skills to manage their big emotions will still play the soccer game if they're interested in soccer. They'll still focus on the, t the coach. They may find one or two or three friends that they really gravitate to and focus on that rather than focus on making friends with the whole team. And that's developmentally appropriate for a six, seven, nine, 12, 13 year old, okay? Um, a highly sensitive child who's introverted, who doesn't have skills will uh, will stay stuck and frozen, either in anxiety or um, uh, and, and be frozen or in anxiety and be and, and want to flee, right? Now, what does that mean? I, I won't even go, right? They're frozen at home. They're not even getting in the car. Or uh, they get somewhere and um, they get to the, the soccer field and then they experience soccer, they feel stuck, and then they bolt, right? They bolt either emotionally by just saying, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I could do it. And then maybe they sit down and they bench themselves or uh, they may run off the field um, and run away. And we, we deal with this all the time. We see clients uh, whose, whose children are behaving in this manner and parents can get really frustrated. There's safety issues involved for either circumstance, right? And social and uh, social repercussions for, for this behavior, okay? Uh, in addition to that, uh, there's there's the the personality experiences where people might be pegging your child, if, especially if they're struggling with managing big emotions and negative emotions like worry, um, uh, which which technically is a thought process related to the emotion of anxiety. And when your child is struggling in that way, you can jump to the conclusion that your kid is shy, or somebody else might jump to the conclusion that your kid is shy. And that can, can pose uh, another weakness for your child, pose another uh, um, uh, characteristic of their functioning, how they're functioning in the world, as a uh, weakness in their personality. And that's not true. Okay, this is another misconception. Highly sensitive kids with skills can be extroverted or introverted. Neither is shy. All right. Um, this lack of skill to manage big emotions is um, is really where where the the growth edge is, not in sucking up and making friends. Um, because when when you teach a child to, especially a highly sensitive child, um, to greet other people, make eye contact, and shake hands and say hello, and you focus on social skills, uh, then you're missing the mark. What is my my child's internal experience? Are they trying to make other people happy by greeting them and saying hello uh, while they're overriding their um, emotional in intensity and screaming inside? If that's happening, then uh, actually you're doing a big disservice to your child in helping them build skills. Now, does that mean that your child should just go on through life uh, holding back and waffling or running away or refusing and, and not signing them up for all these activities because they feel like they can't? No, absolutely not. Don't swing to the other end of the pendulum just because the traditional parenting suck it up process doesn't uh, actually work for your child to feel capable and, and notice their emotions and notice their experience. Your child can take their time to warm up to new situations and still be social and still be sociable and still be extroverted, still be introverted in social situations. Okay, so um, it's really important to not swing to either end of this, this, the pendulum here of either passive and treating your child like they're fragile and so therefore not signing up to things or um, pressuring. Hey, we signed you up. You got to go. This is just the way it is. Do it. You're, you're, you can handle it. 
right? If your child is demonstrating to you that they can't handle it, then that's a skill gap that they need to grow and you need to teach them. Uh, parenting a highly sensitive child who's stuck in the meltdown cycle, uh, the only way that, that this is fixed, that that cycle is changed, is through your relationship with your child especially if you're raising a child who is slow to warm up, right? Take them to a professional and you ask them to tell the, the professional all their problems or how they're not performing effectively or functioning effectively in society. What do you think your kid's going to do? <laughs> they're either going to shut down or refuse to go or they're going to tell the person what they want to hear to save face, right? This is natural human behavior. I mean, if you were on trial and somebody was telling you you needed to change and you weren't fully, you know, open with that or uh, willing to change and, and observing it as an opportunity to feel challenged in your own overwhelm or to feel challenged in your own growth, then you probably won't be very forthcoming about your personality uh, shifts that you need to make about your uh, behavior patterns, right? Instead, you'll be stuck in shame. You'll be pretending that everything's fine. Or you'll just be saying it, yeah, 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 somebody to get them off your back right? So kids are the same. They're going to do the same thing. They're just going to do it in a different way. The, the behavior, the root cause of the behavior and the root reasons for the behavior are the same here, okay? So uh, again, uh, it's important that we notice 70% of highly sensitive children are introverted, all right? So they're more likely to be introverted. Um, and that means that 30% of highly sensitive kids are not, so I want you to notice with your children, um, am I pigeonholing my kid, right? Um, and so shyness is not introversion. Shyness is a um, self-preservation behavior to hide and flee. That's fight, flight, all right? But it's, it's fl the flight side of fight, flight, freeze. All right, uh, myth number three, ah, highly sensitive kids are over-emotional. This goes back to what I was saying earlier, okay? Um, when we think about uh, the misconception of, of weakness, some people will think that reactivity is uh, a sign of weakness. That's true, right? If we are not mentally hardy and we are overly re and we are frequently reactive, then we're not managing our emotional state. We're not supporting ourselves and showing up in our highest and best self. We're not feeling empowered. The the flip side of that is powerless, weak, or helpless. We are thinking of ourselves as helpless, weak, or powerless. Anytime you tell yourself you can't, you are telling yourself that you're weak. And, um, and so that's a self-concept problem, a mindset problem, a perspective shift that needs to happen. If your child is telling them that they are telling themselves that they are stuck or they are, they are reactive to a high level, um, that, that is very different, um, behavior, behaviorally, usually most adults, we learn not to scream, you know, curse or um, explode in public settings or even in, in, uh, in home settings regularly, right? Because otherwise we wouldn't be managing our emotions. However, are we dissipating them? Are you regulating your emotions? Are you letting your emotion go away or are you just holding it in and stuffing it, right? So when you want your child to not stuff their feelings, to not um, pack it in and, and tuck it away for something that they'll never have to deal with again, then uh, you need to be noticing that your child's reactivity, right? The up, down, up, down roller coaster. We hear parents say Jekyll and Hyde. Um, 
you know, my child is, is, you know, super effective, you know, perfect angel at school and really struggles at home. And well, at least it's a home where nobody sees it. Wait a minute. That means that your child's highs are high and their lows are, are super low. And so when we teach our, our clients to break out of the meltdown cycle, what we're doing is we're teaching the, the parents to help their kids shrink that roller coaster because the highs are out of control and the lows are out of control too. It's just harder to see the highs as out of control, right? If your child's bouncing off the walls and super excitability, then, um, then that's easy to notice. Oh, you know, they're, they're, they're jumping in the middle of the street and they don't notice a car coming, right? That's the extreme um, example. But in other situations, if your child is performing at a high level and they're people pleasing and they're being a doormat and they're not noticing that they're overwhelming themselves with all the things they want to sign up for and all the things they want to do and they want to be perfect, then that's a high high that needs to be adjusted as well, right? So what we would do is we, we teach our, our clients how to shrink that. You need to be able to do that, right? Regulating emotion means that the highs, high highs only stay high for a little while and you feel capable of bringing it down yourself if you want to because that's socially appropriate, right? Um, just constantly being joy from, uh, from inside out, if you will, that movie, right? She's bubbly, she's excited all, all the time. She'll never be able to sit down and, and listen to um, uh, you know, any sort of uh, learning workshop or lesson, right? She needs to be able to notice what else is going on. She needs to be able to validate, right? One of the things that she does to sadness is say, hey, you don't need to be sad. You need to just feel joy. Well, guess what? The only reason we know that joy exists is if we feel other negative emotions or other uh, less negative emotions like um, hope or um, love, right? It's not just about joy. It's about appreciation. It's about uh, feeling content and satisfied. That's what life's all about. There's a variation in positive emotion as well as negative emotion. So it's important that we teach our children that as well, that, that you can uh, raise it up and you can take it down. Um, because raising, like living at that high level of buzzy energy um, only feels high and buzzy <laughs> uh, when you understand the um, and, and are aware of, of the negative uh, emotions are the the, the um, lesser intense emotions as well. Otherwise, um, it feels contrived uh, when when you experience joy on a regular basis and uh, there's no other negative emotion to um, balance it out, you end up invalidating yourself. All right. Um, this is what we call pollyanna ink. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Everything's sunshine and rainbows. Um, that level of optimism becomes delusional if you're not also focused on addressing growth edges, right? If you're not growing, you're shrinking. So we want children to be resilient. They need to be able to notice when things aren't working well and feel powerful to change them, feel powerful enough to change them. That means that when you're talking to your child about breaking out of a, of, um, an, a pattern um, and you notice that your child's in a great mood, um, many times we see parents who struggle with addressing negative uh, experiences or ineffective behaviors when your child's in a great mood because you might be worried about losing that great mood, right? This is a scarcity perspective of, I don't know when my kid is going to flip to the negative emotion, so I have to, I have to savor it. I have to, I have to hoard it. <laughs> um, and so we teach parents to empower, uh, to feel empowered with their highly sensitive kids that they can teach their highly sensitive children to cultivate positive emotions and to process negative emotions as well. And uh, that's obviously a learning curve. Uh, and it's important to notice that your child is not 
overly emotional. Uh, when they have skills to manage their emotions, they are more aware of their emotions. So if your child is more aware of their emotions, but they don't have skills to manage them, this is what leads to explosive behavior, high reactivity, meltdowns, intensity. It's a lack of control. That's what meltdown is. I mean, just by looking at your child's body and hearing the words out of their mouth, they don't make sense. They don't follow a track. Um, the body is, you know, they're hitting people that they love. They're hurting people that they care about. None of that is controlled behavior, right? So if your child feels out of control in a meltdown, which is true, that's fact, uh, then it's important to understand that, that that's not due to a lack of awareness. If your child was um, able to just, if just labeling an emotion and, and um, learning information was all that, that um, uh, led to transforming your child's emotional experience, then children's books about emotions would be all your kid needs to change how they feel, right? Um, but that's not it. Information is not transformation. Same for you, right? You've probably read, uh, what, five, six, 10, 20 books on parenting at this point. And if you're still stuck in the meltdown cycle, then you are likely noticing that information isn't transformation for yourself either. This is why what we, you know, when we, when we coach parents in breaking out of this pattern, it's not just about uh, learning new things, right? We actually call that sparkly object syndrome. You have to learn something and then apply it and troubleshoot it and make it stick. And that requires a simplified process, not over um, scattershot uh, process of, of just constantly learning new things. You can leave that up to experts. You know, For example, if you were to work with us, it's my job uh, or my coach's jobs to understand the nuances of the personality trait. It's your job to be able to show up every single day consistently for your kid. And consistently doesn't mean blank face protecting your kid from your emotions and being a robot, right? Consistently means being able to manage emotions, whether they're high or low and not reactive, uh, but also process your emotions so that you're a model. That's how you build resiliency in your child is you demonstrate and, and are a role model for your child in managing emotions. You, let, you make those normal in your home, uh, but the scary ones decrease the intensity on either end, okay? And uh, when you do that, then your child feels capable. When your child feels capable, they're naturally resilient. So this goes to the next one, right? So the, when we think about being able to conquer these three, um, weak, the, these three misconceptions that you're, a your child is weak, b that they are, um, uh, what did I say? <laughs> that they're shy, and c that they're overly emotional. You need to be able to do um, three things yourself, right? You have to first challenge those misconceptions, not only in your mind but around you. Okay, um, be able to educate yourself. This is number two. You have to educate yourself on how, right? This is what we were focusing on today, how these uh, unique experiences can become strengths, right? How is being detail-oriented? Right now, your child is detail-oriented, noticing every little thing and popping off about it, freaking out. But how is being detail-oriented going to help serve them in the future if you shift this behavior, right? Um, that's number one. Number two is um, you need to be able to observe that your child is highly sensitive. That means that they are 20% of the population. You can't parent your child using um, tactics that are built for non-highly sensitive kids. It's just not gonna work. And then lastly, you have to advocate. So once you understand the highly sensitive trait, you understand and you can educate yourself on 
how to break out of the cycle, right? And listen to any of our other shows. I won't be covering that today. But one of several of our processes that we teach, um, apply it, right? Take, take control over your, your child's experience at home. Don't take control of your child. Your child has to manage their own emotions. You need to, to teach them how to do that. There's a difference, right? Traditional parenting will teach you to, to take control of your kid. Use punishments or threats or bribery to hold your kid accountable for that. Uh, and if you've already learned about uh, more positive parenting or gentle parenting approaches, um, it's important to understand that you could still be falling into a passive parenting approach. So you got to educate yourself on that. The difference between um, uh, preparative parenting, right? Resilience training for sensitive kids and passive parenting. And parents who think they're parenting in a, in, in a more gentle um, less punishment oriented way, less traditional parenting way, um, end up being passive because they're treating their child like they're fragile because they don't have a system. They don't know how to consistently, this might be true for you, uh, consistently uphold boundaries and help your child follow through on them in a, in a way that actually moves the needle, right? If you're waiting years for your child to follow through, then your child is learning the lesson consistently over and over again that they don't follow through. They just experience that on a daily basis, right? That's, that's, they see that in their world. So um, it's important to understand the difference. And then second, then thirdly, you need to advocate. So once you figure out how to break out of the pattern at home, how to help your child change their behavior, feel curious about changing their behavior, and want to, to uh, shift, not from a place of making other people happy, but because it feels good to, um, to manage their emotions safely and do that repeatedly in the moment, then you can advocate, uh, advocate for school support, advocate for uh, professionals to help your child in different settings, coaches, nurses, medical care, what, what have you, whatever your kiddo needs and just to live their lives. And then you can teach your child to advocate for themselves, which is another key component to resiliency, right? We need to be able to speak up for our needs. So a sensitive child will speak up for other people's needs before they'll speak up for themselves if they're not resilient, if they're not able to notice their own boundaries. All right, so um, we covered many things today, how to break out of um, several misconceptions, the key points that you need to, to create that um, resiliency in your home. And if you want our help to do that consistently in a way that, that feels much more simple, um, not easy, still hard, hard work, right? Uh, but we can definitely make it simple for you, then I encourage you to book a call with our team. Happy to have those conversations with you. Uh, that conversation is free. Once you figure out whether or not we're a fit, and, and we would talk about whether or not you're a fit for what we do, we'll talk about your struggles, where what your challenges are, what you want to be able to achieve in your life. And if you're fit for, for what we do, then we will tell you exactly how that works, how to take action on that the very same day. And uh, you'll be able to do that uh, quickly. Right? We have a team of coaches who are trained to understand exactly what we do, exactly what types of circumstances and who's the best fit for, for the work that we do here at MTC. And we, we share that with you in just one simple phone call. Uh, otherwise, if uh, you need more support and something else is more appropriate, then we point you in that direction on that same phone call. Right, uh, And we determine what, what is the most appropriate fit. I've trained my team to be able to handle that and uh, you have that conversation with us. Uh, talk to you soon. Have a good day. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.